0: To sermon audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. Well, we are halfway through our study on the topic of the universal justice of God through the Book of Amos in the Old Testament. And we embarked on this journey, uh, one, because of uh, the current questions within the church and our culture right now about justice, but more so because we want to major on what God majors on. This past week, uh, I fired up my little Bible search engine and put in justice and righteousness, and I stopped counting after 500 mentions of it. This is something that runs from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. In fact, I'd encourage you as we uh, go through this study uh, to actually put the passage before you that you might be able to follow along uh, as we're not able to give you uh, physical bulletins. But the justice of God, as we read the scripture, is something that so clearly God wants us to know about him, about who he is. And he will take radical measures that we might come in to that understanding. And that's the case with the northern kingdom of Israel at the time of our passage. The Lord sends the prophet Amos uh, at the 11th hour to call them to repentance for the injustice that has gone on for years and decades. And he says to them, uh, If you don't repent of injustice, you will taste it yourself through military disaster. But God doesn't do this for the purpose of their destruction. He does it to get their attention, that they might be saved, that they might be delivered. And so three times in this passage, we hear the refrain, seek, seek, seek. Now, uh, when we think about the idea of seeking, a couple of things come to mind. One is, you know, there's usually an intense focus. This past week, I was really craving something sweet. And, uh, you know, it was sort of a couple days before we were going to go to the grocery store. And I must have opened the freezer, the refrigerator, the bottom drawer and the top right drawer five times each seeking something sweet. I didn't find anything. But one thing is focus. You know, that's how we seek. But the other is the object that we seek. You know, we can seek things that appear good, but they become our undoing. We might seek pleasure. We might seek approval. Those things in and of themselves are not bad, but they can become our undoing. And so one of the ways the prophet Amos helps us here is he directs our attention to what injustice seeks and what justice seeks. So let's look at those two things together. First of all, what injustice seeks. And the first thing there is comfort at all costs. Now, you and I are creatures of comfort. We we can tell when the thermostat is just one or two degrees off or when it's not our pillow or when someone has adjusted our driver's side seat. We're very aware of our comfort. Likewise, we try to avoid discomfort, uncomfortable conversations, uncomfortable places, uncomfortable climates, uncomfortable social situations. Now, the Northern Kingdom, many of them are enjoying High level of comfort. Amos talks about it in verses 11 through 12. He mentions, you know, fine vineyards, means fine wine, splendid houses. But this comfort had come at the cost of the poor and disadvantaged, of their being exploited. This is mentioned in verses 10 and following. Unfair taxes, bribes, trampling he says, upon the poor. Now, what happened? How does this happen to a community of people that profess to be followers of the God of the Bible? Well, one way it can happen is through distance. Last week, Pastor Duke talked about there were those that committed uh, injustice directly, but also those, you know, a couple steps back that just benefited from it. They were distant from the act, but they were still implicated I mean, comfort can enable you and I to distance ourselves from unpleasant things, from the reality of things. We can move to a safer zip code. We can shop in better stores. We can, uh, you know, uh, maybe go uh, experience better medical care, go to better schools. Comfort can help us distance ourselves from the injustice in the world. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a well-known parable of judgment about those that fail to show mercy and justice. And at the end of the parable, when the Lord confronts them, their reply is interesting. What they say is, Lord, but when did we see the hungry? When did we see the needy? You see, they successfully had distanced themselves from the injustice around them, out of sight, out of mind. Yet the Lord held them as culpable for it. But he means us not to be in that place. Uh, This past week, I was having, or uh, a couple weeks ago, I was having a conversation with uh, Jackie Griffith, who's on our staff as a counselor, and she mentioned a book she was reading called The Soul of America by Pulitzer Prize-winning author John Meacham. And in it, he reflects upon uh, some of the earlier philosophies that lay the foundation for the American you know, project, the American founders, uh, such as Locke and Tirgo and uh, Smith. And in it, they said that the Republic would progress in reform as it engaged in a few things, uh, inquiry, argument, and the last one, agitation agitation. That's how it would move forward. Now, when I was younger, I was a master agitator, but it wasn't for the sake of justice. It was a lot of injustice to bother my brother and my sister. That isn't why God sends Amos to Israel. He does send him to agitate them. And most of the prophets agitated Israel by speaking the truth to them. But it's not for the purpose of annoying them. It's to move them out of their comfort to open their eyes, let the scales fall off, that they might be able to see what's before them. And the same is true for you and I. It may be that uh, you find yourself thinking from time to time, well, I'm, you know, I'm tired of the post about justice or injustice. I, I'm tired about the protests and the, you know, and the chanting and the signs and all that stuff. Well, it might be that God is agitating you for your own good because he wants to bring you and I into a new place of understanding his justice. Second of all, injustice seeks warm and fuzzy religion. In verse 4 and 5, the Lord rebukes uh, Israel for their pilgrimages to Bethel, Gilgal, Beersheba. Now, these were places, uh, famous places, that they would go to because the forefathers of the faith had you know, sacrificed there or been present there. And so they were sort of like, you know, a visit to the Holy Land for them, or if you're Presbyterian, for going to Scotland, right? But it was this place that they could go, and uh, it provided nostalgia, reminding them of a golden age. In fact, uh, uh, two of the preeminent Old Testament scholars say that these places were sacred uh, reminiscences from olden time, from a golden age, now, you know, I, I'm someone that has a proclivity toward nostalgia. And uh, I also like old films. I like classic films and find myself watching them. But over the years, I've noticed a change. There are some films I just can't get through, I can't enjoy because of the injustice, which is beneath them, the way minorities are depicted or the way reality is depicted. Right. We all have this place where we want to go to nostalgia, but God doesn't want us to be there because under the gold is really a dark shadow. Christians can do that, too, with respect to their faith. I was thinking about a song by uh, Steve Taylor, who is a songwriter and satirist, and uh, it's a song called Easy Listening, and he's writing from the perspective of the future church, church in 2044. And that church is looking back to a day when things were more comfortable and easier. But that day, Taylor would say, is our present day church. So it's, you know, an ironic convicting. Um, but follow along with me, uh, these lyrics. Color me old fashioned, but I still remember when. The sermons were affirming because the Lord liked us better then. It's 2044 and I don't want to be my brother's keeper no more. Color me chicken yellow if I liked it in the ozone. Call me lemon jello if I lacked a little backbone. We're king's kids, dang it, and we used to know what a housekeeper was for. Tickle my ear and I'll pay for your show. Sing about stuff that I already know. Whisper sweet nothings, pour a nightcap, give me that old time easy listening. Israel wanted the distraction that came, uh, the, the, the distraction from the ugliness of injustice. by Just a warm, fuzzy religion. And you and I can be tempted to that as well. In fact, we are. But thank God that his heart and his love for us isn't just flowers and balloons, that he has a burning true passion for us as our father. He mentions, Amos, that the Lord sees Israel like a virgin daughter that he values, that has his heart, and the fact that she has fallen into injustice is a cause for mourning. I mean, he begins by saying this is a lamentation. The imagery he uses is from a funeral, bringing the professional singers. It reminds us when Jesus Christ wept over Israel. He said, I long to gather you. The book of James tells us it may be, not maybe, it is indeed that we need to weep, mourn, and wail before we can be lifted up, humbled. But lastly, uh, we, uh, we can seek injustice by stacking the deck. Now, here we're given the imagery from Amos of the city gate. Now, the city gate wasn't just where you went in and out, but they also served as informal courts, uh, as a public affairs office where policies, where laws were formed. But instead of justice happening there, he says that there were backroom deals with those that had wealth and power lobby. For their own advantage, through loopholes and fraudulent practice, and those that speak up against it, are abhorred, and hated. Amos says. Jesus, in his day, said of the religious leaders, um, "You know, I know what you're doing." There was a particular practice they had—a loophole where money that was supposed to be given to take care of elderly parents could be dedicated to the temple. So you didn't have to actually spend money and take care of the parents. It could be kept in your possession. Now, there are two ways this is happening at Amos' time in Israel. First of all, land is being swindled. Now, on that day, you have to understand that land is everything. and land, It's not only the way you make your living. Well, not only the place you live, you make your living. It's your major asset. It's what you pass along to your children. There were laws in the book of Moses to protect land for this very reason, but it's being swindled away from the poor. Second of all is legal corruption. Biblical scholars say that that word bribe isn't just taking money on the side. It's actually uh, atonement money. Uh, the Old Testament made provision saying if, you know, if your bull accidentally killed someone, you could pay an atonement money for it. But you weren't to do that with heinous crimes like murder. But that's what's going on here those that have wealth and position are buying their way out of a murder conviction. Now, these things ring a bell for us, right? Because both of them happen in our society. Uh, They were egregious and as part of America's history, but continue on. And uh, I know um, sometimes the question comes up, well, but hasn't there been progress? Well, praise God there's been progress. <laughs> Imagine if there weren't any progress. But we also have to realize that that progress typically came not from the wealthy and the advantage advocating, it came for the poor and the minorities clawing for every inch of justice they could get. This should not be the case with the church. The church is the place where justice should flow freely. It should be the headquarters of justice, the place where the world can take its cues, the place where people can look in. And this is what it was in the first century, right? It was perplexing to people where they saw people of every class, financial means, race, ethnicity, gathered together under an aspiring equitable society. And this is what God is calling us to, which moves us to our second point, what justice Seeks knowing and living. First of all, uh, knowing. Three times, as I mentioned, we hear this word seek, seek, seek. But it, before it ever says seek good, the Lord says seek me, seek the Lord. And this shows an important difference between the world's approach to justice and the church. Now, let me say in the outset, we should praise God for every good, common, grace effort of justice that happens. Because the truth is, many times and often the world is ahead of the church in justice to our shame. When we have the manual, (laughs) we have the call to it. But yet we can acknowledge that there is a distinction. This is something that Dr. Anthony Bradley mentions. He'll say for people who have no religion, uh, racial justice or justice fill a void of a faith tradition, right? They can give you a sense of transcendence, something greater, a sense of Repentance of sin, of redemption, even public worship. It's everybody's together, you know, for one purpose. But the church, uh, we understand that that's not enough. There's a greater longing we have. And that is that we know the God of justice. The one who is justice personified himself. The one that we see depicted in the ministry of Jesus Christ the Lord of justice and mercy. And so Amos turns our attention to knowing that God, and he uses uh, the image of a brilliant constellation of stars, the Pleiades and the Orion. And as he does it, he turns our mind to a few things. First of all, the, the stunning character of God's justice. Have you ever studied the night sky when there's lots of stars, right? And you're just awestruck. Have you ever studied justice that way? if you studied it in Scripture in the character of God, that it just made you go, I could fall to my knees in the majestic vision that I'm given here. Like the psalmist, your righteousness is high as the mountain, your justice is as deep as the ocean. As we see the radiance of God's justice reflected in Jesus' ministry to the poor and his courage among those that sought power and wealth. Second of all, he turns us to know the wisdom of God. You know, darkness is deceptive. The devil's no dummy. Injustice is ingenious. And we're fools if we think that we can detect it in our own lives and society apart from the wisdom of God. We'll be able to go so far that there'll be um, a certain um, breadth and depth we never get to apart from the wisdom of the Lord. This is what God gives us in the scripture. We learn justice through him. But thirdly, and maybe more importantly, strength. Strength to advocate for God, the God of justice. You know, amidst exhaustion and just feeling like you get over one story of injustice and you hear another one. And of course, none of us could see the world as God sees it. We don't have the strength to, it. we'd collapse under it. But the Lord, who is both just and uh, the living God, the eternal God, who exists in and of himself, can look and bear and see and lead us on in the charge. He's likened to the stars in the sky, and that also means his power. God will often say, well, look at the stars in the sky. Who's going to remove them? Who put them there? He's appealing to the power. And also this other uh, phrase, God of hosts. You know, God of the armies is with us. You think of Elisha looking at the chariots of fire. And so knowing our God leads us on in what he's calling us to. There's a, a helpful quote I'll share with you. You can follow along here, I believe, from Greg Forrester. The gospel itself requires the church to have a vision of justice that challenges the world's greed and oppression. And by freeing people from their spiritual slavery to guilt and fear, The gospel exposes the wickedness of worldly powers who exploit spiritual slavery for selfish gain. That's why the church on earth is the church militant. The church is not the church if it's not at war with the world's injustice. And here, you know, we're given just um, a mandate, aren't we? To aspire to who our Lord is as we know him. But lastly, it's not just knowing it's living, it's living into the justice that God has uh, granted to us and given us. The northern kingdom at this time thinks they're spiritually strong. They think they're having these benefits because, you know, they've done well. They sort of work by a meritocracy. I did well for myself. God has blessed me. But the Lord is looking at them going, you think you're living, you're dying because of the presence of injustice, spiritually and literally. And so he says, seek me and live. And when the Bible talks about live, it's not just talking about getting by, right? It has a greater vision for that. You know, to my shame, I'm all, you know, I don't want to live that way, but I'm sort of numb if other people just live to get by. This is not the heart of the Lord. Jesus called us to abundant life. But when we contemplate that, it's a little bit unnerving. Because think about Jesus' abundant life. He owned no vineyards. He didn't have a splendid house. He battled injustice his entire life. Eventually, injustice took his life. He was hated and killed and abhorred, like those that Amos talks about. And yet, he had things. He had things that all of us hunger and thirst for. What was it? What was he living into that would manifest itself in justice and help Uh, for justice sake. First of all, there was freedom. Um, you know, the gospel tells us that Christ died for our injustice. There's not a person with the sound of my voice today, including me. Or anybody in the city or anybody in any church or anybody in the world whom God can't convict of injustice. If we stood before him. Humility would just call that. And at that point, you know, we we have a couple options. One, well, we can just ignore it. I wouldn't advise that. But what we often find in the world is uh, people get busy, and underneath these efforts, they're hoping, well, maybe this is atoning for my injustice, you know, or maybe it's sort of proving and make me approved at some level. But the difficulty with that is it's thin, it won't last. And also it's it's really an exhausting way to live, you know, to try to prove to everybody that I'm woke, or prove to everybody, you know, that I I, I can keep up. Because sin will always battle us personally. But the gospel gives us something much more amazing, and that is God Himself comes in the, pers- the person of His Son. And he bears the guilt for our injustice. Injustice. He suffers and dies and he raises so that you and I find ourselves by God's grace and by his verdict. Righteous and just and blameless before his sight. Loved by him through what he gives us through Christ. And it's that point we can begin to see justice in a way that we never had because we can look dead on into it. We don't have to avert our eyes and say, why is the injustice there? This is the problem with the cancel culture thing, right? And I'm not saying that justice should not have consequences. It should. But in a cancel culture view, it's this idea. It's just hypocritical, right? It's the idea that, you know, you are unredeemable, but I am. We don't have to play that game anymore. We can look straight at ourselves and see the grace of God. But second of all, living in joyful purpose Stevens, the author Stevenson, the author of Just Mercy, uh, was being interviewed, and in it he said, when we forsake justice, we deprive ourselves of opportunities for incomparable joy, extraordinary affirmation, and meaning. And I thought, you know, those are really the things, uh, and he's speaking from a position of faith, of course, those are the things that Christ gives us, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He says, my joy I will give to you. It's through him that we heal, well done, good and faithful servant. It's for him that we find this joy. You know, how did Jesus navigate through his life that way? Because of the joy he had with the Father, and that will be our energy as we pursue justice He's inviting you. you know, in some ways, we could, we could do a series on justice called Invitation to Joy because that's what it offers. Do you want to be joyful? Do you want to be more joyful? We might think, well, it's, if I can get more stuff or get my life more comfortable, I can reach the goals, it'll be as you and I become more just. But lastly, living into true community. There is no way that we can really experience true uh, community apart from justice because we'll always be divided from our neighbor. We'll always be segmented off, you know, sort of in our little, uh, you know, metaphorical gated community. But for us to, to really experience the community for which God has made us, justice will break down those walls and bring us together in a way that God meant us to be, which is the church is to be the foretaste, as I described, but what heaven depicts. So, my friends, um, Amos brings us a great gift through this passage. The Lord does through Amos. And I want to urge you to, three times over, seek, seek, seek the Lord and his justice.